0: Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to this 2021 episode of The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 8, 8 Poker, where we aim to introduce you to the players and the personalities in the game in a totally new way. Now, if you're new to the podcast, I use a modified set of increasingly personal questions developed by psychologists 25 years ago. They had total strangers ask them of each other, and the theory was, they might then fall in love. Now, mine is a shorter list. I've updated some of them, but otherwise, these are the questions that they came up with to try to find a shortcut to get to know someone on a deeper level fast. And I'm here to help you all fall in love with my next guest. Today, I'm really lucky to speak to someone that I've been able to work with and for for the past 12 years. He's played a big part in revolutionizing the way the world sees poker, and he was inducted into the Poker Hall of Fame in 2018 to celebrate just that fact. Mori Eskandani, known to many in the poker world as Uncle Mori, is a poker player and the TV producer responsible for creating the most iconic images in poker and bringing them to our screens. High stakes poker, the World Series of Poker, NBC Heads Up, Poker After Dark, Super High Roller Bowl, Big One for One Drop, on and on and on and on. So, welcome and thank you so much for doing this, Mori. I have been so looking forward to this.
1: Same here. I'm glad to be with you. Anytime. <laughs> time. This, this, this is, you know, I, I missed you over the summer because the world series wasn't there. So uh, I get to uh, probably tease you now. So,
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear your voice. Honestly, it was such a strange thing to, to not be in Las Vegas this summer for the world series. And then to watch, you know, the world series just kind of finished right now. The, the, the final table when I'm, when we're filming or recording this, it's, it's early January. So, um yeah, it was so strange to not be there talking to the players and, you know, cracking jokes with you guys. <laughs>
1: for sure. That was a fun one. And I was telling the World Series people next year, 2021, all goes well. They should go ahead and double the number of bracelets. Hey, we got a makeup figure, you know. Let's just yeah, have for sure. four months of World Series here.
0: <laughs> oh, man, I'd be so in. <laughs> I'll just move to Vegas right now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to be asking you a bunch of questions about your life and your perspective on things. And we're going to start with kind of a short overview. The original question in the study that this podcast is based on was take four minutes and tell me as much of your life story as you can, but yours is a tough one in in four minutes. I I don't think it's possible. So can you just kind of give us some of the highlights? You were born, then you moved to the States. I think you were a teenager. Just some of the hit points there.
1: Well, I was born in... uh... Uh, A state of Iran. That's northern Azerbaijan. The the country of Iran has fourteen states, uh, and I was in the northern Azerbaijan, uh, which is in in a in a scope of Azerbaijan. It's actually south Azerbaijan. North Azerbaijan, that's now a country, is in Russia. I was born in the southern Azerbaijan, that's northern part of Iran, and then uh, moved to the capital of. Uh, Iran, that's Tehran, when I was six years old, Uh, and then moved to Portland, Oregon, when I was 18 years old, and uh, then on to Las Vegas at age 30. So uh, in a poker term, I've always uh, summed up my life, saying that I was born in Azerbaijan, raised in Tehran. Re-raised in Portland, Oregon, and Czech raised in Las Vegas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, so that must have been a huge life change for you, though, to move to the U.S. from Iran when you were a teenager. How was? The, I mean, how was your English at that time? How did you find kind of sort of fitting in and, and getting used to life there?
1: Yeah, I, I spoke no English, uh, but uh, I came. I came in. Uh, as immigrant zero, I was the only member of uh, my family uh, in, in the United States in 1974 and went to English as a second language uh, uh, first for six months. And when you're a teenager, I mean, you'll, you'll learn the language a lot faster. We all know that. So it, it didn't take me long before I found my way in either, you know, everyday discussions or uh, uh, getting acclimated a lot faster than people coming in 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 older age, it gets a lot tougher on them.
0: Yeah, tell me Um, about it.
1: For some reason, yeah, for some reason, I'm not just making this up. I think the second day I was in Oregon, Portland, United States, second day, somehow I knew that I'm not going back. (laughs) I I mean, I don't know. I I, I found and sensed something that was so special. And, you know, country is somewhat different. A little. I mean, nineteen seventy-four America is not twenty-twenty America. <laughs> uh, the last four years, I have to—I have to tell you—that hasn't been very fun to me. Uh, for me to see, like, what what went down, the division that happened, the America I came to—people uh, were so inviting and, and so open arms. It, it, it was just unbelievable. That's—I uh, mm-hmm. uh, mean, look, I have a lot of faith still. And uh, this, this, will, this all will be okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for people from outside of the States looking in, I was lucky enough to live in the States for just a couple of years when I lived in uh, California, when I was working with you guys on high stakes poker. Um, and as a, a Canadian and a British person looking in, it is, it has been really hard to kind of watch that fall from grace, I guess, of the, the idea of America that we all kind of had from the outside. So it's been a weird four years, for sure.
1: It has been. But, but you know what? It's, it's okay. I think it's, uh, it, it's it'll turn into an awakening that the new generation needs to have. Um, people take things for granted. And we all have to understand if we are not in love with one another and not trying mm-hmm. to help each other then we won't have a country. It's yeah. just it's just not just this country. I'm, I'm talking, you know, you go back into history, you know, like see yeah. empires that fall apart or, uh, you know, big superpowers that are just not even around anymore. It all happens with division. So I'm hoping, you know, the good nature of us, as they say, the good angels within people come together again.
0: Yeah, I'm hopeful for that too. There's so many people that are, I mean, especially this past year with uh, the pandemic and, and all of the challenges that that has kind of brought up, as well as the big American election on top of that. And then, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that happened in England. There are a lot of people who are doing such hard work to, to really make a difference and make things better for people. And that, for me, has been um a real piece of hope you know like the medical professionals just i I know some here in italy who are working in COVID wards and just um their relentless kind of optimism and and care for people for me that's been something that actually it's like a bit of a balm for some of
1: you know look we had a few nurses that have been helping us uh because we did, we, did, so we, we did a couple of shows last December with Poker After Dark and Super High Roller in the studio, in the Poker Go studio, and created a bubble uh, so everybody was getting tested. The way it worked, the players were coming come and getting tested in the morning, and then I was getting the results that they were negative coming back and doing the show later in the afternoon. Same thing, the World Series of Poker that just happened. And, uh, you know, close to maybe three 400 tests happened for, uh, for the show to come down. And uh, the nurses, I told the nurses, uh, and I meant it. I said, you know, uh, there's nothing about COVID and this pandemic that anybody's ever going to have any good memory of. Mm. But I'll tell you one thing. I would say that I had a good memory just seeing what the nurses would do and what kind of humanity they bring to the game. Yeah. It was just so cool and heartwarming to look at and listen to them. I mean, just really caring people. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, like I said, the good nature always uh, gives you a lot of hope.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the first question really in this set, it's it's the least personal questions. But the first one is, you work with famous people all the time. You know, poker famous people, obviously, but then famous, famous people too. So has fame ever interested you personally? Maybe when you were younger, have you ever wanted to be famous?
1: No. Yeah, Yeah, i could have guessed that one (laughs) yeah i much rather be behind the scenes i think you know famous uh, a you have to immediately play a role that may not be you i mean i'm not i'm not putting it down i mean you Mm -hmm. just have to you have to be like a role model i don't consider myself a role model of any kind but Huh. If you become famous, you have to be a role model and you know, you have to do the right things at all the time. And mm-hmm. I just I'm just not that I can't do right things all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody
0: <laughs> yeah. can, but you're definitely a role model, I would say. For a lot of people on our side of the poker industry, at least. I mean, I can't I can't talk for all the players, but I mean, come on, you're Uncle Maury. Yeah. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> make people raise their game. Like. <laughs> well, um,
1: I hope that's true. But it is uh, definitely.
0: I know yeah. it's it's weird for you to to get take compliments. We've talked about yeah. this before. you're it's not your favorite thing in no. the world. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah, compliments actually scare me. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can tell.
1: yeah.
0: yeah, you're like, let's talk about someone else. It's uh that's yeah. <laughs> kind of all the way, always the way it is. true. Um, okay. well, here's another question. When did you last sing to yourself or to someone else? Like, I know your son, Sam has, an amazing voice. He's just like an incredible, (laughs) incredible singer. Is that something he got from you?
1: Well, it might have been something that he got from my father. Uh, He he loved to sing. And uh, I I remember, uh, you know, my childhood memories of him every time taking a trip, uh, you know, that singing was always part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love to sing, no question. And uh, I sing to myself all the time. I know mm-hmm. a lot of lyrics of many of uh, my favorite country music. It just happens to me country music has been my favorite forever.
0: Wow. Okay. And, that's
1: cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know I like the storytelling musics and, and mm-hmm. songs, which is mainly country. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I sing to myself quite a bit, believe it or not. <laughs> I mean, quite a bit. and But not for, you know, like sometimes uh, my son or, or, or Kathy, my wife, will. You know, they they would get me going, and I might sing, but it won't last more than twenty seconds.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> if you force me to sing, I will forget the lyrics. Really? If so you don't myself, have
0: a yeah? You yeah. don't have a go-to song that you that is like your karaoke? Number? Of course. Tie okay. A,
1: what is it? Tie a yellow ribbon all the uh,
0: <laughs> around That's the old oak classic. tree. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's easy. Tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak oh, tree. tree. <laughs> it's
0: been three. Yeah, young. long years. That's a great one. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, no one's going to be asking us to do karaoke together, I'm afraid. There I'll you go. Time. That's fine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, um, here's another question. For what in life do you feel most grateful?
1: Uh, there's so much. Mm-hmm. I really can't put my finger on one. Everybody would say, "Health, you know, I mean, how can you not be grateful for not being healthy? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you'll see uh, you'll see people that are suffering from many different things, and it's just right. so hard to uh you know not be able to help or do something. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm grateful for uh, many things, uh, but mainly uh, my family mainly for being so lucky. I mean, uh, you know, you come to a country, uh, a new country, and then you lose the old country. And basically yeah. the old country and everything that we owned and the intentions that we had, I was I came to the United States to be a part of a big organization that my dad owned and import and export. Mm-hmm. I mean, a huge organization with six or seven different ports and a couple hundred, you know, moving trucks and, and storage and everything, and them are all gone. I mean, everything was gone because wow. everything was situated between Iran and Iraq, and the Iran-Iraq and Iraq war just washed everything, destroyed all the key things that you know mm-hmm. ran our country, our company, and all of a sudden, I had nothing. I mean, literally nothing. And I have to tell you, I feel being such a lucky person. I, I mean, there hasn't been much in life that I wanted and somehow I didn't find it. Mm. So uh, whether it was family, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, the kind of family that I have and uh, or work, you know, getting up every morning and going out to do something that you love mm. is really a blessing. I mean, you know, uh, I can't even imagine people that you know, do a work that they don't like right I mean, it has to be so painful you know i get up in the morning that sun hits me and i'm saying okay i'm going to the studio to uh like i'm here in los angeles to a voiceover with gabe kaplan hmm. that's that's pretty fun that's
0: amazing I mean, you know like
1: uh <laughs> and been doing it forever now i feel like mm-hmm. and or playing poker i absolutely love playing poker i played poker mm-hmm. for almost 25 years and I can tell you, look, you know, poker has ups and downs. And I was very successful because I, I pretty much was a, was a grinder. I wasn't, you know, like a, a person that was trying to play the nosebleeds, uh, you know, like, mm-hmm. like yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's nerve breaking at, at times. But I got up and I played maybe six or maybe even seven days a week for 20 years, you know, trying to uh, provide for the family. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't one time that I didn't sit in that poker table and cars started flying, and I said, what am I doing here? I yeah. absolutely loved it. And I'm, and I'm not kidding. I mean, I had so much fun playing the game and uh, being entertaining, you know, with people that were playing. <laughs> there's so many memories. I can write 10 books mm. of all the fun stuff that happened in, in our Stardust days and Golden Nugget days and <laughs> Caesars Palace days and you name it, and Mirage, yeah. and of course, and Bellagio and Aria. Yeah. I, yeah it's been fun.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I'm wondering if having grown up in such a a strong family business is maybe part of what makes you have, you've created kind of Poker Productions, the company that, you know, that I work for as well now, Um, such a family. I mean, and also your family are involved in it as well, but kind of everyone sort of feels very familial. I wonder if that's part of it because of how you grew up.
1: I I mean, I did grow up in a, in a, corporate environment might like we had, uh, we handled 16% of all the imports and exports mm. to Iran under the Shah, you know, like I'm going mm. back, I haven't even seen the new country. So, um, I'm sure, uh, you know, somewhat different with, uh, with, you know, just not just a different government, but all the new mm. technology that's on in play now uh, just changed life for everyone. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was a lot of hustle, it was, it was a lot harder to do important expert. And, you know, I'm sure it's a lot easier now. Uh, yeah, I, I saw, uh, I, I was familiar with, with the corporate environment and what gets people motivated. I, I loved mm-hmm. it when I went to, when I was 16 years old and walk into my dad's office, I crack a joke and, and you know, get people having fun while they're doing their yeah. work. That was always a good thing. Mm-hmm. But, but you know how stressful <laughs> especially live environments, is right. I mean, you talk about, I mean, I'm not, I'm not by all, you know, saying this is surgery, but it cl- gets as close to surgery. Mm. You know, it comes, you know, you just can't make yeah. a mistake. Yeah. You can't make and a mistake. They threw
0: stuff at you, like an right. earthquake. I mean, last year we had two <laughs>
1: earthquakes. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, a, a, a transformer blowing up. And, right. You know, yeah. So air conditioning going down where we had oh, like, uh, we had to pour, uh, you know, bring in, Literally, water over the TV trucks to keep them cool (laughs) in 120 degrees. Yeah, so I mean, under that kind of stress, if you're not having a family type Mm -hmm. feeling amongst everybody, it's hard to continue. I mean, I'm, I can, if I tell you what I'm proud of the most, it's not about all the shows we've done. I mean, obviously, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I am proud to say that from the beginning until now, we haven't lost anyone. Yeah, from the crew, yeah. they're, they're all intact. Nobody said, "You know what? I'm not working for this company anymore." Hell with it. Right? That never happened, and and I, yeah. I that is so important to me. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just if you hear one word that somebody's not happy or somebody's being disparaged or something, it just it really personally hurts me to hear. it. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, it's it's. I've been able to do, I, if I pat myself on the back, I, I would say I was definitely involved, hands-on, making sure that happened. Everything yeah. else has been Dan Gotti's of the, of the world. <laughs> <laughs> they pulled it through. I mean, uh, this is what I'm doing right now is, is rarely what I do, uh, yeah. You know, actually getting involved in production. Uh, I mean, I started <laughs> being, that's all I was doing. But right now, of course, my company got bought out. Uh, poker central and uh that's that's now part of poker central which is mm-hmm. a lot larger <laughs> operation than mm-hmm. poker productions we've just become part of it we're just content producer but uh rest of it you know like, like the poker go channel and all the other uh advertising uh based channel that's out there uh, avods they call it and mm-hmm. uh, linear tvs that we're dealing with it's it's a lot bigger corporation
0: right yeah there's a lot to it, and you're right live t v can be incredibly stressful i um but it i for me it's almost always been a little bit more fun <laughs> when it's challenging. I can remember when I think uh we did blow another transformer and all of the um all of the auto cue went down just before we went to the, to the live break desk. Yeah. And I forget who it was my guest at the time, but they just went white beside me because they could see what had happened. We couldn't see the monitors. We didn't know the hands yeah. they were supposed to be talking about. I couldn't see the ins and the outs. And right. it was, I got to be honest, it was exhilarating.
1: Oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, look, I can, I can see it in your face. I know when you're nervous, when you're not, but you handle it with such a grace. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that's okay. what makes, and I always tell people, you know, everybody can play a winning hand. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not hard. You know, give me aces every hand. I'll shine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see what you do when it doesn't go your way. How do you yeah. get out of it? So a lot of the talents like you, you guys know what to do when that happens. That is really valuable. I mean, mm. uh, you guys, you just can't freeze and <laughs> you know, like, start walking <laughs> away. That does, That's not how it works. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, if I froze, I think, I think Dan would, he's always in my ear. He'd be feeding me something. (laughs) He would never freeze. (laughs) But it is good fun. Um, Okay. We're going to look at the second set of questions now. There's three sets. Uh, The first one says, I'm so curious about this. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about anything, your life, your future, your past, something that happened to you, someone's hand, (laughs) what would you want to know? Are there any secrets out there that just kind of sit at the back of your brain teasing
1: you? Huh. Well, you know, being a sick poker player, you mm-hmm. know, you, you give somebody a crystal ball, they, they want to know who, who uh, assassinated Kennedy or what is what is a, what is a cure for cancer, you know. Right. Like, I'm, I'm sure you've heard all of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> if I say that it's just something that yeah, duh, of course, you know, like <laughs> but I'll tell you what I am I'm making it like my business to dig more into it once I retire, because Mm -hmm. I have a feeling it's a lot of digging, is if all of these GTOs and algorithm theories that I'm hearing about poker, it's real. Because I'm not playing as much as I used to. But when we were playing, we had physicists come and play. We had computer programmers come and play. Mm -hmm. We found them to be the fish because they were (laughs) trying to play a game that had set of circumstances Mm. Uh, that was given. There's no such a thing in poker. Right? You, know, you wake up and you play with somebody one day, and you have to figure out if the guy is going to be playing the same way the next day that he plays. Maybe he had a, mm-hmm. he had a uh, fight with his wife. Maybe the taxi driver got <laughs> on his nerve. Maybe he had something happen in the family that was good or bad. Maybe right. he inherited two million dollars. <laughs> you know, like he hmm. a, his game changed. You had to like sit in the game and evaluate everyone's uh, behavior and uh, you know then try to figure out where they're at in that hand. Mm-hmm. instead of just saying that, okay, uh, let me look at this. So I got Jack eight of heart and uh, there's six players in and there's this many this much chips on the table and my position is the, then this is the play. And mm-hmm. you can change it by looking at the clock or uh, looking at when the cocktail waitress comes in, you raise, that's how you randomize it. I mean, this stuff that I hear is blowing my mind away. If it is true, then two things happen. One, I've fallen so far back from the street game that was all psychology that I loved, Yeah. You know, about bluffing and trying, reading people and all that. That's just like, poof, gone, that I'm not aware of. If it is true, that really is the game. I think they ruined the game. Stop, Uh. just stop. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're playing basketball, right? and I come up and say, hey, Kara, guess what? I got these shoes now that you can put on, and uh, you'll jump and have a hang time like Michael Jordan in a second, but that's not what Michael Jordan was doing. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was practicing. He was working out. He was doing all that so he could be who he was, and now... Everyone, Maury Eskandani, can wear those shoes and let's play NBA. Yeah, sure. You want me to just jump over you? Because, you know, I mean, to me, that's that was like, if that is the case and they've given these computer guys uh, a way of finding what they call solvers to the game, mm-hmm. you own the game. That's not poker. Poker is supposed to be human nature, not mm-hmm. computer wisdom. <laughs> Yeah. So I mean I'm I'm you know I mean look I'm sure if there are younger kids listening to this yeah this old man of course they all say the <laughs> same thing but you know.
0: I wonder if the the new variants that come up will start to lean towards that side of the game away from solvers like towards a little bit more randomness because if if one you know if Texas Hold'em is solved a lot of people aren't going to want to play it. It'd be like playing chess against a grandmaster or playing backgammon against someone who is rated super high. Um, so we need new variants, maybe. But
1: I, I'm also thinking that that not even in Texas Hold'em that's true. I'm thinking that there are elements that we are not looking at it closer. Mm-hmm. For example, yes, a lot younger people are winning. But when I was playing the World Series in 1988... Uh, they were, I, I can't remember, but probably like 120 players are playing. They were all in, you know, I, if you took the age group, you, you had maybe 25% of them being over 60.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you get a World Series that's 8,500 <laughs> people playing and 8,000 of them are in their 30s. So yeah, of course yeah. the younger people are going to be showing up. I mean, just simple math. Mm-hmm. you are going to showing up more, but nobody's going and looking at every hand they played to see how they got from point A to Z. That's mm-hmm. impossible. Nobody's looking at it and saying, okay, this guy really like start reading people or this guy's got the algorithm. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, they got it fixed. All mm-hmm. I do know that giving a set of circumstances, that can be true. Meaning once you hit the final table, once the blind levels are in a position that there's like 400 big blinds on the table, mm-hmm. and there's six players left. Yes, but that's not – you didn't need a computer to tell me that. Yes, mm-hmm. we all knew that when, you know, push comes to shove and you don't have so much psychology uh, time for it yeah. and you have to start playing because blind levels are going up, it's the value of the hands change. Mm-hmm. We knew that. Yeah, but did we know exactly what? No, maybe the new new thing, you know, like I remember from the old days saying king four was the middle hand. Like if you, <laughs> if, if you give somebody two cards randomly, if you have king four – it's 50-50. Right. Uh, I, mean, I don't even know that's true or not. I'm just I'm remembering from the old, old days. I even remember yeah. Queen 7 being called the computer hand, which was so ridiculous. We'd laugh at people. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Play the computer hand. That's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> play the Queen <laughs> 7. Let me take your money. But, um, I mean, so the crystal ball, I mean, I, I'm hoping it's someday that I really discover how much truth is to this mm. all. Is it is it something that's happening by coincident, all these people are winning, uh, you know, because there's just too many of them. And yeah. the ones that are losing, we're not even hearing about them. They just disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, i just like to know someday.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd be curious to know that, too.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I know. It's a dumb thing to ask from Crystal Ball. No, but- no. <laughs> it's actually pretty
0: interesting, given that we spend... I spend almost all of my life thinking about poker. I mean, now I spend a lot of time at home and I think about, (laughs) I think about, is that a cough? Am I coughing? I'm not coughing. That's fine. Uh, But yeah, we think about poker all the time. It's not stupid at all. Huh. Okay. Um, Next up, what is one of your most treasured memories? Uh,
1: Hmm. Well, there's always one memory that every time I think of, uh, the old days. I mean, my life. It comes back, and it's a it's a bittersweet memory. Actually, uh, I lost my father in 1979, mm-hmm. and uh, I was still a student at, at Portland State, and uh, and so went everything because 1979 was uh, from a little history lesson when the Iran Iraq War happened and at mm-hmm. that time. It was during that time, or Uh, The revolution happened in the country, and all of a sudden, like, my whole world changed. I was here, and all of a sudden, literally, everything was pulled away from me with his Mm -hmm. death. And it was sudden. Um, Talking to him, uh, my mother was here visiting me, and uh, they'd been married 38 years at that time. And uh, uh, it was... The first time they were really not together, she came to visit me and uh, he passed away while she was here, while she was in the United States. And uh, I was told by elders of the family not to tell her. So I knew, I knew that he'd passed away and I was holding it. I was putting my best poker face, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, after... uh, You know, I mean, she would (laughs) she would uh, go with me to a mall and buy things for him. Say, hey, do you Uh think he'll like this shirt? He'll like this. So, literally, a suitcase full of clothes and pipe and things that he liked. Uh, I I went shopping with her and keeping the face straight and you know doing Mm -hmm. all of this while I knew he was gone, and I didn't even know how to tell her. And, uh, but I knew that she had to know and I convinced everybody back home that, you know, this is, this, this can't happen. I can't just send her home and uh, have her find out when she gets there, at least yeah. here, there, you know, the hospitals are still running normal, everything. So let me tell her and, you know, if there's something wrong, I can take it to a doctor. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, she has a nervous breakdown. It was, I didn't know right. what her reaction was going to be because it was completely sudden. He had a heart attack oh. and died. And it was dancing with my twin sister the night before. So it was totally sudden. So once they got together and they came back to me and said, yeah, go ahead and tell her. (laughs) Now, now the whole pressure was 10 times more. And I was, I could play the role and just get crushed inside. But now knowing that this could crush her was becoming a little too much. So I took her to a doctor and she was here for a a cancer checkup that she had Mm. and then I told the doctor what was going on. Of course, she didn't speak any word of English. And the doctor gave some strong status. She I like, have her take these and then go ahead and tell him, tell her then. You'll see her eyes. You'll see her eyes that she's relaxed. So um, I gave her the medicine. I said, you know, the doctor wants you to take this. She didn't know what it was. She took it and hmm. she was relaxed. And, and I said, I have to tell you something. And as soon as I opened my mouth, she said, you uh, uh, your father passed away. It was unbelievable. I'm not kidding. Oh I mean, goodness. like I, I mean, she knew that she must have felt like something is not right oh. with me. And, uh, you know, this was told and, uh, you know, she, anyway, I put her back on the plane, sent her home and the whole world became so dark mm-hmm. to me. I mean, I was 20 years old and I was thinking like, I, I just didn't know where I was, where I was going. But last year of college, I started not going to school, and I had a semi-scholarship from from the school, and I got a I got a letter from them that if you don't you know attend, you're gonna lose this, mm-hmm. and blah blah. And I talked to uh, uh, my uh, my advisor there, and you know they basically knew I was going through something unusual they didn't know what mm-hmm. it was and they you know they they gave me a little bit of a slack they let me take some summer classes to catch up so I don't lose my uh, status one of the summer classes I took I didn't want to take anything believe it or not was astronomy <laughs> so it's a long story you told me the pivotal moment of my life I'm, I'm good I'm, yeah. I'm walking you through it yeah so I took astronomy, and I was going to school and taking marketing, uh, you know, uh, chemistry or whatever, whatever classes that I was taking, and it was to me just going with the motions. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. even think I was paying any attention. You know, uh, they're doing the teaching; I was just doing the thinking about everything else that meant nothing. Until the astronomy class took us to Mount Hood, they had six or seven telescopes. Um, uh, set up, and students were going from one to another one, and, and 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 the the professor was just calling what you were looking. So you go to look at one telescope. So you're looking at this constellation. Blah, blah, blah. You look at the other one. You're looking at this. Blah, blah, blah. Again, <laughs> hey man, I'm not hearing. I just, it could have been just yeah. anything. So all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I'm looking at this telescope, and it's like you take a needle and dip it into a. An ink and just put in as many dots you can put huh. on a piece of paper, just put in as many you can possibly do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this thing. It's just that I'm saying, what the hell am I looking at? And this guy says, well, you're looking at these sun, stars, blah, 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 each of them hundreds of millions of times bigger than our, our sun. Hmm. And all of a sudden, for some reason, I couldn't get my eyes off of that scene, Mm -hmm. off of that telescope, off of what I was looking and what I just heard. Every single thing in there is hundreds of thousands or millions of times bigger than our sun. And like, I became so insignificant all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, you know, like, are you kidding me? Like... This is so much, okay, you lost your father. That's it now? You're going to stop? Done? Finished? <laughs> the, the whole thing is so much bigger than w- what you can possibly imagine and feel. I mean, something inside me just got warm after that. I don't know what it was. I was just a different person. I came down, Not nothing was going to bother me. Hmm. Nothing was worth being like, uh, okay, that's it. Stop. Sit down. And, you know, just... You know, whole, hmm. you know, you're done. There was never ever anything that meant I was done. And believe me, after that, uh, a lot other stuff happened. You know, right. but but it, it just it it just I just became uh, not you know insensitive about things, but just seeing that the whole picture is so yeah. much bigger than just you, me, our families mm. and. And this planet is just so much bigger. Just, just uh, relax.
0: Yeah. Just
1: do your best and go with the flow because perspective. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that that was that moment on that on that <laughs> with that telescope, and just by coincidence, taking that class, it was I, I I never I will never forget it.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Can I ask? Were you able to? You weren't able to get back to iran were you to after he died
1: and no i have not I'm been so i sorry. have not been back, back home since 1976 My uh, gosh. and uh, uh you know one of these days i, mm-hmm. I would love to go back uh, and you know it's, it's a special country it's got special people mm. uh it's going through a turmoil yeah uh, um you know i believe in a higher power I'm not a religious person. I went to a religious school, but uh, I I mean, I'm not, I have nothing against people that are religion. Mm -hmm. Religious, I think religion is something that should live in your heart Mm -hmm. and uh, with you. As soon as you try to impose it on others or trying to uh, gain power from it, it just takes it away from its purpose. Yeah. Uh, And I know there's so many people that can't live without it. I mean, I I call God a magical cane that a lot Hmm. of people need to have uh, for stability. And, you know, you don't want to take that away from them. They fall. That's fine. That's okay. But you can't hit the people with that That cane. Then the magical cane's purpose is different. It's supposed to make you stable not you going around and telling the whole world you know this is it if you believe it you my friend if you don't you know the hell with you <laughs> right <laughs> then, i just don't think that's the, that should be the purpose of any religion and uh yeah. and unfortunately uh that's not the case in, in in iran right now that the religion runs the country and uh yeah and i don't know i just uh, maybe maybe that's another crystal ball someday. Shows like exactly what is going on. What is our purpose here? What is happening with all those stars up there? (laughs) Each one of them millions of times bigger than everything that we know. Uh, So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that perspective would be a pretty incredible thing to, to take with us day to day. I think I definitely lose... My perspective sometimes, especially this year, it can feel like the world becomes very small, especially when we were in lockdown. Right. You know, I, I was living on a, a farm without Internet. I wasn't able to leave the farm. It was just us. And a lot of what we ate came from, like, the garden and the orchard. And, like, it was incredibly... Um, contained oh. <laughs> which was an amazing thing but it was also incredibly difficult with a, a toddler and, and the whole thing and not being able yeah. to talk really much with my family in Canada because of the internet and bad phone lines um but it felt very much like my world kind of became our house or that farm and to get that perspective exactly when you need it I can see the value in
1: that <laughs> true. I
0: think I will carry that um It's not my memory, but I think I might carry that idea Mm -hmm. with me. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. I think that would be very helpful. Um, Okay. We have time for a couple more questions. Um, Let's say uh, if you – no, let's do this one instead. What would your family say is your most annoying habit? (laughs) Let's go that direction.
1: Oh, there's so many. (laughs) Uh, my most annoying habit i guess i'm a i mean i can't go back to where the kids were living with with us it's been so long i mean my kids are not kids anymore (laughs) they have their own kids i have grandkids Mm -hmm. so uh if if you say by family my brothers and sisters, you know, I, I can't do anything wrong, so they're, 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 they're just totally like uh, it's not fair to ask that question from them because they're not being yeah. honest. But Kathy, my wife, will be very honest. <laughs> and if I ask her amongst the thousand uh, things that annoys her, I'm sure number one would be uh, me worrying or or being a clean. For, you know like being organized all the time like if something is not in its place I, yep. you know, it's got to be back in its place so what the oh, heck well, you what, are a kindred
0: spirit honestly
1: <laughs> <laughs> she, yep. she, she, i mean clutter kills me and clutter me too. She, she she's in the middle of clutter she's in heaven yeah so uh, i mean a lot of people are like that not just you uh-huh. know they just feel warmer that way so i don't know to me uh, I I can I can leave to go to work, and if I remember that hell, I didn't put the pen back in its uh, in my drawer. (laughs) I might might drive back. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's, it's that's crazy. Yeah.
0: It seems like there's always one spouse or one yeah. partner who is that way. And then the other one just loves the the, yeah. the chaos of yeah. the clutter, because that's how I live as well. And yeah. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be teaching him something or he's supposed to be teaching me <laughs> something,
1: no, but neither of us are learning. <laughs> it has to be perfect the way it is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: Okay. Last question. If you were to die this evening with no chance to communicate with anyone, is there anything that you would regret not having said?
1: Um wow. Is there mm-hmm. anything that I regret not having said uh well Kara, I can't think of it. It's a tough one, right? It, it is you've yeah. always
0: seemed very openly affectionate with your family, which is something that yeah. I admire in you, and I know you know your kids as well. So it, it seems to me like I would find it hard to believe that there's something that you hadn't said to people that you care about.
1: I don't think I've, I've I, I, I just, it's not me to hide things. Yeah. I mean, if I'm hiding things from anyone, if I'm not saying something, it's not to hurt them. Right. And I would never say it anyway. Right. But I don't think I've, uh, I think... Everyone knows, you know, my feelings towards them. And um, I would say more like if I die today, I would regret not being able to talk to my granddaughter and and grandson when they are teenagers, Mm -hmm. because uh, I have so much to tell them. Yeah, I'm I'm a much, much, much wiser grandpa. Than a dad, <laughs> when I was a dad, I don't think I gave my kids all the all the greatest <laughs> advice at age twenty four. <laughs> ah. But at age sixty five, I have some really good stuff to tell my yeah. dad kids.
0: That's what grandparents yeah. are for, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. my number yeah. one advice would be believe in yourself and do what you think is right. Mm-hmm. hell with people. <laughs> it's a if really you, good if, piece of advice. <laughs> if you want to move forward in life, you believe in yourself and believe what you think is right and just do it. You don't need yeah. to ask 20 different opinions.
0: Yeah. That's a good piece. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was our last question, unfortunately. Um, this is not the usual poker interview, so I really appreciate you coming on and being so game with these questions and being so open. I hope this was okay for you as, a, as an interview absolutely,
1: format. Absolutely. Great. <laughs> no, it, it was great. It was always great talking to you anyway. So, ah, yep. same.
0: 100% okay. same. All right. Well, thank you so much, Maury. Um, And thank you for continuing to put such great poker on our screens, especially now when we desperately need the entertainment.
1: Absolutely. And it's not me. there's so many people working behind the scenes to bring the shows in. And I couldn't be happier and couldn't be prouder than the team that helps me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you feel like you know the man behind the camera and behind the stories a lot better than you did before. And uh, yeah, join me next time on the Heart of Poker, sponsored by 8 to 8 Poker.